stay fly. Stay fly. So, you know, I'm not here to put Jesus down. I just think the brother is the most understood character in history. Yeah, so like I was yeah, saying, saying, because he was trying to get people to develop a way of thinking, and all they ever did was to develop a way of better following someone who's quoting things out of a book that they really don't understand. Yeah, so like I was yeah, saying, one of the challenges with the canonized Bible is the portion that presents Yeshua. You're listening to The Fly Guy Show. They do everything on the fly and in such a fly manner. Stay fly, stay fly, stay fly. The views expressed by the guests are only the views of the guests. Unless we say we agree. Unless explicitly stated. <laughs> hey, this is Ernie Thomas here on the Bold School Podcast. You're listening to Psycho Varner's Fly Guy Podcast. Support, like, subscribe, and share. He's saying some good things. Share it. Don't keep it to yourself. All right. Peace, beloved. It's Seiko Varner, the power broker. Back for another Fly episode of the Fly Guys Show. It's a series of melanated conversations focused on improving our collective situation. And tonight I'm really honored to have a man who's made an interesting impact in my life, intellectually, consciously as well. This is really kind of a hard discussion for me, to be honest with you. This is part two of will Jesus fix it? Not can Jesus fix it? Will Jesus fix it? And when we're talking about it, we're looking at problems that have longstanding presence in our community. We're looking at systematic issues, you know, with the uh, judicial system, the government system. We're looking at the issues we're experiencing with COVID-19, looking at uh, problems with the healthcare system, problems with the judicial system, as I said earlier, you know, a disproportionate amount of unplanned parenthoods, uh, domestic violence, uh, substance abuse, lower academic achievements in our community. So, the empowerment agenda, which is slowly developing, is one that says we focus our physical energy, our political energy, our financial energy, our attention energy, and our spiritual energy in things that will empower us, in things that will empower us. So the question is, will, not can, will Jesus fix it? So today I have the great Baba Femi from OIDSI. He'll get a chance to talk about that in a few moments. And we're going to tackle the theological question. And we're not attacking anybody. And I said this was a challenging, difficult conversation because uh, some of the fellow believers will look at this as being blasphemous. Some fellow believers will look at this as being disrespectful. Uh, but it's a theological question. And so I grew up, my father was a minister in the United Church of Christ. You know, he has his doctorate in theology from um, Princeton University. You know, he passed on, he's in ancestral realm uh, of 11 years now. And he would have theological conversations with me. And he would say, these are the type of conversations we really can't have with the people in church because they wouldn't come back. And he also would have, you know, some other discussions, some esoteric discussions with me. I mentioned in the last stream that, you know, one of the most impactful messages he left with me is that, you know, Christmas is not simply about Yeshua being born. It was about something in you being born. Easter is not simply about Yeshua 
being crucified. There's something about you that's dying and it'll be resurrected in a more perfect form if you walk the righteous road, if the way is open, things of that nature. So Pops used to say some really esoteric things to me and I'm able to handle these conversations. Hopefully you will as well. Today we have somebody who's walked uh, in the Christian realm and now he's involved with one of the ATRs, IFA, ATR meaning African traditional religions. He'll go a little deeper into that because he's the Baba, you know, he's the father of mysteries in that area. I'm just a lowly student. So, but friends and family, I want to introduce with love our, now you're going to see his full title, the chief title in his title, but I want to introduce our Baba Femi. Salute Baba Femi. How you doing tonight, brother? Greetings, greetings. How you doing, Brother Seiko? Oh, man, Alafia. Peace to all, man. I'm feeling excellent, and I'm ready to kind of chop this conversation up. So I know you have to give some context to the statements you're about to make. So I'm going to, you know, people say, Jesus, take the wheel. I'm going to say, Bob, take the wheel and drive us where you want to go right now, all right? (laughs) But that statement, Jesus take the wheel is one of the reasons we're having this conversation I've started to wonder if believers are giving up their power by statements such as somebody else fix it, somebody else take the wheel when we have these long standing problems in our community and I know we have the power to fix them so uh, let me let you get back to you know take the wheel and go ahead and give your context and let's go well, I uh, you know, the, definitely before I get started, I uh, want to give thanks to you for allowing me to be on the show and uh, definitely want to wish all the beautiful and wonderful mothers and grandmothers and great-grandmothers out there, uh, you know, happy Mother's Day. Uh, most importantly, anyone that's of a nurturing principle, whether you have children or not, I'm sure you're mothering a best friend, a parent, uh, mothering some co-workers. So uh, with that being said, definitely, definitely. Happy Mother's Day. Uh, Also, uh, I wanted to reach out and give a shout out to your participants last week. Uh, For the sister that was on the show, um, Shay All Day, Queen Phoenix, Sister Valerie. I can't quite remember the other sister's name, but uh, they were all heavy, along with uh, Awo uh, Faleye, Big Mike. Uh, The priest of Shango, he held it down. And the only brother up there, he's he's sort of the constable of the... uh, the whole situation, <laughs> but uh, he did pretty well. Uh, also, well, let you know, me say this. That, uh, okay, may I interrupt for a moment? Uh, for those of you who are interested in hearing part one, if you go to the YouTube channel Our Black Improvement, you'll see that there's a plethora of videos there. One of which says, "One of which says, Will Jesus fix it? Will Christianity fix our problems?" Um, that's the conversation that Bob was referring to. It was a great conversation, so you get a chance to see what Queen Phoenix said, what Queen Shay all day said, you know, what Sister Valerie said, and what Awo said. So it's a, it's a great conversation. A lot of great videos there. If you're in the audio format, you can go to the Fly Guys show. Get on code, the Fly Guys show. You can find that on all podcast platforms, and you'll find that as well. Baba, take back over, brother. Okay. Um, I definitely wanted to give them a shout out. They held it down pretty good. They brought up some interesting points. Uh, 
and I wanted to address uh, one of the sisters' uh, questions. Uh, Sister Valerie asked about getting the original copy of the Bible. Uh, first and foremost, the original copy of the Bible is in the possession of the Vatican. <laughs> and hmm. uh, it is called Codex, Codex Vaticanus. Codex Vaticanus. That is the original Bible. It's the original text of the Bible uh, going back with, uh, with the cleft notes and everything that's involved. Uh, you know, I'm going to get into because my primary focus would be around the theology. And in regards to the statement, let Jesus take the wheel and uh, about the, the uh, what I would call with most uh, administers or ministers, the failed theology for why people would say things like my personal Lord and Savior, Jesus, take the wheel, handle it, handle it, handle it. Uh, but I do want to add that. Um, uh, as, as you know, as most black folk, we all grew up in a church. Uh, we didn't really know why we were going other than the fact we had to go. We were, some of us was drugged to church. Uh, I personally never cared for church as a young kid. Um, as a child growing up in the third ward, Houston, um, we, we had a good time as kids when church was over, you know, running through, uh, all the trees and the yards of the church and things like that. But, you know, one of the things that really struck me uh, as a young kid is that every time we went into this place, that was this uh, picture. And, of course, he was, you know, white Jesus. And, uh, man, this brother, he just never smiled. And that was something that I didn't realize till later on in life. My mother, um, uh, who lived to be 94 years old, she said that was the first thing she asked her mother. Why doesn't he ever smile. He's supposed to bring joy to the world and he loves you and all these wonderful edicts about, you know, this particular savior, but yet he never smiles. And, you know, with that being said, uh, church was always one of those times that um, it, it had a lot of depression for me, a lot of anxiety because I was a smart kid and I had questions and you were not supposed to ask questions. You can never question the Lord. You can never question God. That was confusing because I never asked God. I never asked the Lord. I was asking the pastor who was doing the teaching. And so it, would, it became a lot of things uh, as we all grow through this, this, this things of dichotomy where one thing is said, another one is done, or where one thing is told to you when you study, it never says that. As I got older, um, 16, 17 years old, uh, I was... Uh, I came into contact with my uncle. Uh, he was a big Baptist minister in the city of Chicago. I spent a summer there. Uh, I grew a lot. Uh, what I will call, to some degree, a lot of spiritual, <laughs> a lot of spiritual and mental abuse. But for the most part, looking back, I give all thanks to the experience because it not only taught me what some things were, it also later in years taught me what some things were not. Uh, by the time I was a freshman in college, I had read the Bible, and that's a very key thing. I read the Bible. By the time I got out of school and went through marriage and, you know, got closer to the church in uh, probably late 80s, early 90s, then I studied the Bible, which is a big difference between reading it. I studied it. After a short period of studying the Bible and uh, just going through a lot of emotions and rising up to a part of the young deacons and teaching Sunday school and having that opportunity to meet a lot of different people in a certain age group that I was given to teach. Uh, it was very interesting because 
this is part of my lineage, my ancestral lineage. I'm, I'm from a line of uh, educators. And our lineage, failure was not an option with grades. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of history of school teachers with my grandparents and great-grandparents. And so that thing that you would study, you would have to study. So this whole thing about study to show yourself approved was not just about reading and memorizing scripture. I took it upon myself to go in to find out when was this book we call the Bible, Genesis. When was this book of the New Testament? When was it written? Who wrote it? Uh, I started getting into questions of understanding how there were certain languages and cultures involved with the different books. And so uh, as time went by, uh, I had an experience. You're more than welcome to visit my website. So I I don't want to be tedious with repeating some of the same things. Uh, my website is obafemi.org. And, uh, but in, in short, that was this uh, particular series that I was working on. Uh, teaching Sunday school before one of the deacons, senior deacons, came in and he would stand by the door as he would all the, uh, the, the brothers and sisters who was teaching Sunday school uh, in their, uh, in their, you know, in their classes, in their particular age group. So it's very interesting because he came, he stood there for about maybe three Sundays in a row. And then on about the fourth Sunday, he brought in the pastor. Pastor stayed there for about maybe five, less than 10 minutes. And um, that following Tuesday at New Members Orientation, I was uh, pulled to the side and was told I can no longer teach that, what I was teaching in Sunday school. And we went back and forth. I got the message. It was my third church in two years. Uh, I recognized clearly I have an issue with the way that I'm studying. But uh, <laughs> and again, looking back now, this was in February of 93. But looking back now at it all, well, the, the most amazing thing was that what I did know was that the deacon who was watching me actually gave me a very powerful message. And the message that he gave me was he put his hand on my shoulder, he looked at me and he called me Brother Steve. <laughs> he said, Brother Steve, what you're teaching, you, you, you can't teach in here. And my response was the idea of studying to show yourself approved, that I was trying to bring the knowledge. And he said, and this is going to be one of the bases of this show, he said in his eloquent voice, Christians are not here to know. Christians are here to believe. And at that time, it felt like a frying pan slapping me across the head. Uh, it was in the evening. Uh, it was a Tuesday evening. I remember going out to a park in the Houston area, one of the largest parks, and I sat on the bench. <laughs> and uh, I really felt bad. I had my Oprah moment. And, you know, my thing, what was wrong with me? You know, what was wrong with me? And I heard a voice, and the voice said, now you can do what I want you to do. I couldn't tell you today if that was a male or if it was a female. I know I looked at one side, I saw a side, and I saw a blue jay. Later to understand the meaning of a squirrel deals with preparation and activity. And a blue jay represents the proper use of power. And so even not knowing that then, knowing what I know now, left the church Deal with a lot of brothers did. I got a uh, got uh, turned on to the Nation of Islam, so I studied a lot of the teachings of uh, 
that ended after about maybe a year or so. I just kept watching the tapes. Uh, I started to visit with some of the brothers and sisters of the Shrine of the Black Madonna. As you know, there are only three of those. Uh, started by right. Bishop Jeremoji, uh, right, right. Leach, who was a, um, a young brother Malcolm X back in the day. Uh, it was the, in Detroit. There's a church in Atlanta, of course. Houston, Texas had one as well. Uh, but what I found out later, in my opinion, what they did was they just simply took the King James Bible and painted it black. They just turned everything to African. And that was, you know, worthy of what their doctrine was. But at the same time, knowing who I was or discovering who I was, I was one of those people that needed to know why. And I think it's a lovely curse. It's gotten me to where uh, I am today. And, you know, when people ask me from time to time, uh, you know, do you go to church? And I said, no, I don't. Uh, well, is Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior? And my response is normally, is he yours? And when they said, yes, I, then that's what matters. My relationship with God, my relationship with Jesus is very special. Uh, and this is where I would like to begin, uh, speaking just a little bit about uh, history, a uh, brief history of the theology, and why we here, here we are in a 21st century. And we're still having issues mm-hmm. um, you know we can go back to these uh, dates and periods to try to get a better understanding but let me first and foremost say growing up in the church I'm not here to bash the church as brother Iwo said um, I'm not I'm not the deepest pan-African I'm not ready to close the church I think some churches not all uh, I would say a few not most uh, do a pretty good job. If it's only for community work, uh, helping uh, people who are falling on uh, tough times with drugs and finances and you know different things like that. Uh, anything that can help build a community and give people a sense of hope. My issue with Christianity, I make no bones about it. With, with the leaders, you have the ears of African American. 75% of African Americans in this country every Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. And the last thing you ever do is give them something to help them elevate themselves. There's nothing wrong with hoping and wishing and thinking and praying. I used to pray to God back when I was 14 years old to please make this little girl love me. Uh, <laughs> please make her please make her go with me. You know, th- this is this is a child. This is But this is the impression that I have that God can answer, God can fix, and through Jesus, you know, can answer and fix anything. And so it's very important to understand, you know, I come from where most people have come from. uh, And for those elders that have transitioned uh, back home and also for the younger group that's coming up. And one of the things that I think uh, the, the, the younger generation have a much better uh, access to his information and also to follow through on that information. Don't just take it at face value. Well, with that being said, uh, again, this is not uh, belittle anyone, but to enlighten. In other words, kind of what I heard last week. I'm okay. not here to disagree with what they talked about in the first show, but I want to expound on it. I want to 
and, and you know, kind of enhance it a little bit. Just as I spoke about Sister Valerie asking about the original copy of the Bible. Because the original copy of the Bible is in the Vatican, the closest she'll get to it, she has to study those religions that existed before Christianity. Christianity is actually, for the most part, one of the new kids on the block. It's a very colonizing religion. It is based in and around colonizing. If you went into a tech, if you went into the tech field, and if that was a congressman, then he stood or he sat in front of Washington board or the governors or the House or the Congress, and he asked them a question, how many people in here own uh, a cell phone? Mm-hmm. Everybody pretty much raised their hand. Right. If you would ask most people, which one of you in here on an Apple computer or Apple device, a lot of people would raise their hand. How many of you uh, have ordered from Amazon? How many of you have went to Walmart? See, there's a very monopolizing energy in colonizing. Colonizing actually means to arrange or to arrange things, to bring things into. There's a, there's a centeredness of it. That's why you have colonizing, uh, colony, all the way down to something we can look at as the colon, which is the center where everything begins. And so it's important for us to understand what it, what it means of colonizing a thought. Colonizing a thought means you no longer think thoughts, the thoughts think you. So even if you think you have choice, powers that be have already created it multiple choice. It's kind of like if you, if you take a test and there's a question. And mm-hmm. there's five choices, A, B, C, D, or none of the above. Well, you're going to answer one of those. But what if I, in my colonizing, have already understood whatever one you choose, I control the outcome. I control the narrative. So even though you think that you're thinking which one is right, someone has already thought about however you answer. I got you. And that lies the issue with the theology. Theology steals from the Greek. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm just saying that's interesting. That's interesting because, yeah, you're dealing with the theology of it. And continue, continue. Theology is from the Greek theo, theos, which means God. So theos, meaning God, or theology means the study of God. Right, no right, one right. will ever know God. You will never know God. You can't know God because if God is in everything and all things at once, then at that second per second per second that you say, I know God, it has already changed. It's changed, right. It only knows itself by its creation. Therefore, you can't know it all because that was a baby, there's a baby born like every second. So if God has to continue expressing itself through a continuous motion, then there's no way we can know God, but if we study God, so therefore... For me, I have to go to theology school mm-hmm. to become a theologian, mm-hmm. and then I walk out understanding theoretically how to <laughs> understand God. Okay. And so when I give people some information, 
And this is a fact. You can, I, you know, for my audience out there, do your research. I'm not going to give a reference, but uh, I will say that uh, one of the religious professors at Rice University, one of the religious professors at Emory University, and a good friend of mine who went to a biblical studies college have all said, and I quote, most religious professors in colleges are not religious. And the question is why? Because we there, and you've graduated from the Harvard School of Divinity and the Emory Theological and this seminary, you don't graduate to become anything other than often what the job is offered to you. You didn't go there to study Methodism, but if you came out, you can become a Baptist preacher, a Methodist preacher, Presbyterian, Episcopalian, Church of Christ, Church of God in Christ, and so on and so on and so on. Just whatever ones, who's hiring? But the thing is, is that there is a lesson that is taught in college that is never taught in the church. Okay. And uh, one of good friends of mine, you know, I'm sure he's probably out there listening, would probably sign in. And he's been a witness where there have been ministers said, uh, Brother Steve, whatever you do, don't come to my church. <laughs> and I have actually talked to ministers, helped them out with sermons, uh, lessons, a better understanding of the Bible. Not that I'm an expert. It's just that, and let me put it this way. In the Bible, Jesus said unto, speaking to his disciples, one, the ones of the neophytes, the priests, he said, unto you I shall reveal all the mysteries of God in heaven, but unto them I'll speak in parables. Well, we know a parable is not a book. It's like a paragraph. It's part of a book. Para means part of. So if Jesus is willing to tell his disciples or priests the truth, the question is, what is the minister in your church speaking to you? See, there are truths and then there are half-truths. You know, that, that kind of harkens back to my father saying there are things that we learned in theological school, in seminary, that we don't talk about in the in the church because people wouldn't come back. And absolutely. <laughs> and I didn't what, come back. <laughs> what are some of those things? What are some of those things? Well, you know, the first thing about it is you gotta ask yourself simple questions. Things that we never considered. First of all, um, when and just, you know, I, I, I said I was going to do this. Maybe I'll go ahead on and put it together. But a good friend, uh, I told him I can ask a Christian, most Christians, 20 questions that they'll never be able to answer. Uh-oh. All right. That's one in particular is, what, one particular is, what church did Jesus go to? Well, he never went to church. And right. when he did, he didn't, he didn't go happy. First of all, and some people know this by now, but most Christians cannot tell you Jesus' real name. Uh, they can't tell you the name of his brothers and sisters that he had. That he had, right. Uh, <laughs> one of know, which... They didn't know. Go ahead. I was going to say, one of which wrote a portion, reportedly wrote a portion of the Bible. <laughs> exactly. You know? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, um, one of the books, rather. One of, the had, books. You know, one, one of the things that God had a wife. What was God's wife's name? 
I brought that up and the preacher told me, man, that's blasphemy. God ain't never had a God's purity. God had a wife. Now you're saying you're a Judeo-Christian. So if you're a Judeo-Christian, that means that the Old Testament has to count for something. And in the book of Kings, the Israelites speak of God having a wife. It does. And does that harken back to the, so the Elohim? Does that harken back to the Elohim, which is a, a dualistic, a male and a female principle that was part of the, 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 the early, the early Hebrew? Yeah, the, the, the earth, that's it. It's all Hebraic. And so you get into the Elohim, that is the us in the Bible when God said, let us make man mm-hmm. in our image and our likeness. In the Nubian land, in Kemet, we call the Elohim netters. In Ephah, we call the bishops. In base Christianity, they'll call the saints or they'll call angels. And the angel comes from the angles or right angles, those right that are trying to support you or help you be support or be supportive of your existence. Okay. Now, hey, go back. Go ahead. Go back. Go back. We have one of our viewers who asked, can you share the information while you're highlighting what is not known? Uh, I think she wants you to go back and ask the other, you said 20 or 10 questions that you would ask believers? Yeah, I had, I had, I have about 20 questions. Actually, I actually have about 50 questions I can ask most Christians they can never answer. And the reason why I say that is because if I am going to go door to door and preach the good news, if I'm going to come to your door with a vacuum cleaner, I should at least know how it works, right? <laughs> if you okay. go to a mechanic and he said, oh, wow, yeah, I hope I hope I can fix your transmission. Brother, you got up here Bubba's transmission. Now, do you do transmissions or not? And so when you start getting into things of knowledge as opposed to faith, faith mm-hmm. is in everything. Faith is in everything. Faith is not something that's disposable. Faith is always there. The thing that's lacking in the theology is the knowledge. And in, this, and in that theology, you have to, are you following Jesus or you're following the Christ? That's two different things. You don't say I'm a Jesusite or I'm a Jesuit. You say I am a Christian, which means you're a Christ. What does that mean? Mm-hmm. It means just what Jesus said it means. It means that you'll do far greater things than me. You'll be able to go places and do things I'll never be able to do. Yes, okay. Sir. Okay. Uh, sister had a follow up, and I wanted to, you know, I, I encourage people to ask their questions. Uh, I'm interested in hearing your responses. Her question is, and I, I guess her question is, what's Jesus's name? And well, I know you- his, name is, his name is Yeshua. And Yeshua. It's pronounced like Joshua. Yeah. The yeah, wife the name- is Mary, which is a very common name. It is still not known if that was her name or was that her title. See, Mary was not actually initially a name. It was a title. And then you have the siblings. You have uh, the oldest sibling was James. Now, these, these, these brothers and sisters were supposedly from Joseph's first wife. Right, right. And so uh, if you go into... Uh, if people look for a reference, 
just go into any Christian reference story about the, the children of Joseph. Jesus' full name could be looked upon Yeshua ben Pandera. Ben in Hebrew means son of. Son of the panther. <laughs> be son of the panther. Son of the, the thunder uh, lightning. Son of, uh, uh, if you're looking at uh, Joseph, uh, that was a that was a title, mm-hmm. and so you know his you know however you look at it, it's more of a title. So that's what it was, Yeshua Ben Pandetta. But if you get into Yeshua's uh, the Christ, that's a title. And so what people in consciousness are getting to with the theology is the Christ consciousness. Mm-hmm. Now that's told in the book of Revelation, which most ministers don't understand. And to understand the book of Revelation, you have to go further back into something uh, closer to Zoroasticism. You have to get into the Persian parallel myths to understand the book of Revelation. Mm-hmm. Modern just to the chakras. It's about how the it's a testimony to how chakras are being opened. The healing. The, 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 the revealing or the revolution or the revelation of one coming from a dead level to an upright position. So you start with Genesis, Gene, Isis, or Genesis like genetics, the beginning. Mm-hmm. And then you come into uh, an Exodus where something exits. So really after Genesis and Exodus, most of what you're looking at is pretty much dealing with scholars that are talking about the, the, the existence of people, the drama of the human condition. Bible is not a book you just walk around and quote. It's a, it is a manual, but people aren't following the manual correctly, and mostly black folk, and this is what the problem is with, <coughs> excuse me, most melanated people who have now been colonized in Christianity. Now, let me say this and make it very clear. As best we know, where Christianity comes from is all East African, okay? There's nothing in the roots of Christianity that are not African. But those roots begin to spread and expand. Some people start messing with the tree. They start guiding the tree. You know how you plant a tree and it looks like it's bending and you go buy a stick to keep it upright? You want mm-hmm. it to go in a direction that suits you or supports you better, where it won't lean on the house or lean on the fence. That's kind of what others have done. Mm-hmm. Let, me, let me back up to that. When you get into uh, areas called Oxum, Oxum is the area that we present day know as northern Ethiopia or around Eritrea. And uh, when you start dealing with that period of time, uh, most notably the son of King Solomon uh, around 400 B.C., uh, mm-hmm. and you go to about 700 years, uh, coming into about 300 A.D., this is where the, uh, I think it was uh, King Exada, King, King Ethiopian King, uh, made Christianity a country or a state religion. Up until then, it was it was not what it is known today. Um, when the conquest came around the turn of the century, and I'm assuming the turn of the of the millennium, because you know uh, when the powers that be got together, it's kind of like they stopped the clock and started over. 
So that's why I got the BC and the AD or the CE, Christian era, however you want to look at it. All that's began to shift and change. So with that changing, the theology changed. And hmm. so when you start speaking of the Greeks, that's why you got all these names, Exodus, Leviticus, uh, Genesis. You know, you go into uh, all of this uh, Greek and Roman uh, language. And then you have uh, Constantine comes on the scene. Constantine, who actually did not even become a Christian till his deathbed in 337, uh, it was 337 AD when he actually became a Christian. From 323 to 345, the councils of Nicaea were actually occurring and they were determining what books would be in the Bible and what books would not be in the Bible. So this you is know, why you go into the Catholic. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm not. I'm not necessarily wanting to stop you. I was just saying yes, yes, and you know that's one of the things. The councils, plural. You know, some people have got yes. it wrapped up thinking it was just one council in Nicaea, and I was like, no, there were many councils, and those councils actually happened before the Council of Nicaea, where a lot of the major changes happened, and those were things that they discussed that uh, Christian pastors and you know students study in theology school. That's another one of those things that my father used to share with me. Uh, continue, Bob. And then after you make this statement, we really need to go into, will Jesus fix it? Okay. <laughs> and because and it, it's important to understand why I'm going to get to my, my answer of that question. It's very important. Because okay. When you go back into the B.C. era and you come back up at the beginning of this A.D. after the death of Christ, now everybody write about it. And so when you start looking at the councils and the councils start determining what was going to be and what was not going to be uh, access to the people. But most importantly, what the what the what the we'll just say for lack of a better term, what the priests or the preachers were going to teach. OK, right. Now, the Greeks had been in North Africa. The Greeks had been in North Africa studying. Uh, the Greeks had a problem with the Council of Nicaea. Most of them were exiled for not following along with what they were going to do. This is in yep. the councils. They turned uh, Mary into a virgin. Uh, before not a virgin. Uh, you get into a whole lot of things that occurred. Uh, where Jesus lived a full life. Uh, this is why in theology school, you're, you're, you're talking about what Jesus did when he was 40 and what Jesus did when he was 55 and what Jesus did when he was 19. Well, why that's not in my Bible? Well, the reason why it's not in your Bible because powers that be selected what was going to go there and what was not going to go in there. And so once they discussed that and once they decided what was it going to be, this is where the conquests begin. This is where uh, people in North Africa began to fully, fully embrace that version of uh, the Mediterranean or the Roman influence of Christianity. Now, remember, Christianity was existing way back when. And if you ever visit uh, the Ethiopian Orthodox Christian Church of my God, Brother Baba Shango Dare, you know, he visited these places. He, he went into Jalabella. Uh, Bell, and, and he studied, you know, he, he talked to the priest, found out a lot of history. The old Ethiopian Christians, they were doing rituals. Uh, Jesus was sort of like this uh, juju man. Why you would get this hair like lamb's wool, feet like burnished brass. Today's Ethiopian and Eritreans, these people you see around parking lots and 
selling this great food restaurant we like to go to. They carry that same energy. Uh, eyes like flaming coals, cold, high brown. Feet like burnished brass. You know, that, that, that soot-looking skin when you're walking around uh, those areas during that period. And so after these councils uh, began, edicts went out. Edicts meaning this is the way it's going to be. I am right. the Pope. I'm the Papa. I'm the Baba. I'm the Papal. <clears throat> I am the Father. <clears throat> I am infallible. And this is exactly how it's going to be done. <clears throat> so with all the uh, with all the uh, uh, going ons and you know understanding, the Greeks understood that this whole thing called Catholicism or Catholic or Catholic or the Cat Holy or the Holy Cat, all this came out of Africa. All this came out of North Africa. This was some of the original teachings of the Nubian people in and around it. It starts to move. There's a uh, there's a lot of protesting going on. There's a lot of uh, uh, craziness that's going on. Uh, there's a lot of colonizing that's going on. Uh, you, you you start looking at the King James version, which is in, uh, in 1611. Also had in the uh, early 16th century, around 1526, Martin Luther rebelled. <clears throat> because uh, he was no longer going to follow the, the rules of the Catholic Church. And the reason being is because one of the things he said was, why should I go through a man thereof and I am speaking to God? Meaning he no, he no, he no longer wanted a mediator. He no longer wanted to go behind a little room and confess to a pope or a father or a cardinal that it feels like you're teaching me is between man and God, but yet I'm going to this man to get to God, and the Pope is supposed to be the sort of kind of representative of Jesus on earth. And this is very important because what happened is Christianity then splits into two. Right. You now either you're a Catholic or you're a Protestant, which means one who is in protest of the Catholic Church. Under Protestant is where the doctrine begins to divert itself because now the 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 the, the whole doctrine becomes up for interpretation. So now denominations are born. Denominations or meaning you're the common denominator or you're the, you're the, you're the uh, outside factor of Catholic Church. And so now all of these uh, denominations come into existence and this is where it really becomes real, real shady for black folks because uh, you, you, you have in uh, 18... Um, I can't remember exactly when it was. I think it was 1811. Uh, the Wesleyan ministries of the of the message now comes in to uh, what we now know as present day Ghana. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, uh, uh, Freetown, Freetown in Sierra Leone, which is interesting because they are now in Freetown. And it's interesting why they're in Freetown, because Freetown was never called Freetown until some slaves who were given their freedom came back to Sierra Leone, established Freetown. So now here come these missionaries with them to convert them to Christianity. And this is where the, your, your churches begin, because prior to slavery, Africa, West Africa, had no churches. We were doing very well with God. We were doing very well with spirituality. West Africa had no churches. Now, if you go in... Oh, okay. okay. Uh, I was going to say East Africa was a little different. 
East Africa was a little different. You had a very minimum slave trading going on in East Africa. But now, you, this is after the migration, the invasion into the Nile Valley. More Africans started going to the West. And a lot of what you took was your philosophical perspectives, your perceptions. You, re, you, know, you recreated the cosmology of how God expresses itself. So it's not like you're idol worshiping. You're understanding how God expresses itself through many facets of nature and many facets of animals, elements, minerals, and plants. And that's, that is what, that is who we were. We were studying and we were giving reverence to nature. We were studying and giving reverence to our ancestors. We were not people. We were paying homage to them. Just like some people went to the cemetery today to honor their mothers. Just mm-hmm. like some today, some people uh, put food on their mantle. They cook, they cook the food of their ancestors to honor them on this day. Now, I want to get into your answer to your question, but again, where I'm coming from with the answer, it has to make sense rather than someone taking just a blasphemous, you know, no or yes. That, that, that's, what, that's why it's important to say this. And after it goes into Freetown, uh, 18, uh, I think it's 1811, by 1835, it's in Ghana. By 1842, it settles in Badagari in Nigeria. Now, that's interesting because it's near the Benin coast. And as I was taking the tour, one of the things I saw was the establishment of this particular slave fort, this particular slavery outpost was created in 1506 or either 1509, which is 14, 19 years after quote-unquote, Christopher Columbus discovered America. And they call it the barracks of Brazil. So you, you, you have these African people going out into the so-called world, uh, and now Christianity is still not there. Christianity is the reason that they're coming in. The Portuguese uh, uh, in the 17th century, which is the 1600s, where the Portuguese uh, maintained what Upper Guinea, Cape Verde, is where the Portuguese really established themselves and began to build these churches uh, or this church influence. So Christianity, uh, uh, through the mission, started around that time. So uh, as you go into Brazil, you're taking this Catholic, this this whole Catholic thing. So there's these saints, and as you get into uh, Brazil, as you get into Cuba, and you get into these places. Uh, the saints are similar to the Orishas, which we both said came from the Netter or the Elohim that came out of the east part of Africa. So it's important to understand that how African spirituality survived in South America as opposed to the uh, 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 Americas, but more so, uh, again, in South America and uh, the, uh, the Caribbean, it survived through Catholicism because Catholicism had a cosmology, a cosmology, which means a study of how God expresses itself through many, many forms. Protestantism has no cosmology. So as well as you were able to maintain certain African spiritual cultural continuity in South America and Caribbean, Protestantism in America with the pilgrims or the Puritans, they cut that off. And so this is where the denomination started to disrupt the primary theology. And so this is where the slave masters begin to use the theology to get to to 
as a, as a weighing tool, theology and slavery, life and death. So it's not to say that life and death is not spoken about in the Bible, but it's how it's used, how it's administered to a person who is beat down, broken. And for those that were beat down and not broken, they were given the antidote. They were given this medicine of hope through a teaching. There was no other form of hope outside of the strength and courage to run away. I ask people that all the time, what hope did a slave have? If he didn't run away, what other hope that he had was that Bible. And if you couldn't read or write, then how was it administered to you? And see, when you start to get into imagery, when you start getting into Wall Street, when you start getting into Facebook and, and, and you start getting into Google, it's the same thing going on today. You, they're, they're colonizing your thought. You're no longer thinking thoughts. The thoughts are thinking you. They put something here. The Native Americans in their annals of being conquered here, one of the, uh, uh, the big name chiefs, can't remember his name, uh, but I remember in uh, uh, the stories of the West that was on PBS by Ken Burns, one of the Indian chiefs responded, who is this Christ? Who is this Jesus? If this is what you want us to believe, then give us to him. Give, sh just show us who he is. Where is he? We will go to him. Just stop killing our people. And when they couldn't present Jesus, they can only present a book. These Native Americans were totally, totally just blown away because what you were telling me was an actual person exist that is that is that is going to bring me hope that is coming back and see this is where the theology is getting in is interrupted there's so many things that are misunderstood because of what's written in the bible culturally there is the times it was written where it was written god didn't write the bible god don't have penmanship these were scholars who wrote the Bible. The same scholars during the Renaissance period that brought you hell under the guise of Dante's Inferno. Hell never existed. Hell is a new phenomenon in the Bible. Hell came through at the Council of Nicaea. Heaven was never looked upon as this place of milk and honey. All these things came through at the Council. And now, if you are saying these are the same people that were instrumental in sending edicts to enslave you, enslave other people, if these were the same scholars in a thought and government that endeavored with conquering nations, at the height of the British Empire, it says the sun never sets on the British Empire, which means they own two-thirds of the world. So if you own two-thirds of the world, you've colonized India, you've colonized Hong Kong, you've colonized Africa, you had a conference to divide up Africa. And when you and at, at the Berlin Conference, every person in Europe took a chunk of Africa. Africans were not even at the table. These are the same people, the ancestors of the people that gave you this story. They took your story, they took it into Rome, they refurbished it took out certain books, gave you 66, they kept 70, uh, 72. Then you had these, uh, you had uh, uh, other books that had 81, uh, the Ethiopian book. You had the original teachings that had 146 books. Then you get to a deeper original uh, books that had over 400 some books. Now they tell you they're lost books. They're not lost. 
they're in every theological seminary, every every school, every library, all these so-called books. One of the books mm -hmm. I would have people read is the Epistle of Mary. This is where you study these books, you'll find out uh, Satan had a mother. And, you know, you get into things. What do you mean Satan had a mother? Well, Satan had a father. Who was Satan's father? God. And you say, well, what do you mean uh, 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 the devil was the son of God? Well, we all sons of God. Anything came in the flesh. If you say he was flesh, then he had to be a son of God. So here's, here's the answer to your question. <laughs> Someone says, will. Well, first of all, can he fix it? No, he cannot. Jesus was never designed to fix anything. The only thing Jesus can fix was the foundation in homes because he was a carpenter. The question is, could he fix it? He could fix it. But you would have to follow his consciousness, Christ's consciousness. Following the teachings solely alone will never give you the salvation that you're looking for. It's not designed to. Hmm. See, and, 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 and therein lies the problem. That's what got me thrown out of church. This is why young people, when they ask questions, people can't answer. You're trying to sell me a vacuum cleaner and you don't know how it runs. I'm not saying close the churches. I'm not saying get rid of Christianity. I'm answering the question. Will Jesus fix us? Absolutely not. It's not so what will? to. Now, so hold what on, will? I want to make it very clear. If you stay okay. with the theology that you have, it cannot fix you. If you go into the Christ consciousness, yes, it could. Talk about this Christ consciousness then. Thoughts you never asked. <laughs> well, you had to do the history, hist historical piece. It took me long enough. That's <laughs> See, this is this is this is like uh, one of the sisters talked about last week. Slavery. We have not had an in-depth conversation of what slavery did to us. I'm not against fair and the wrong, but some of us beat our children just like a slave master beat us. Some of us still do things. Some of us still act a certain way that have not changed in three, four hundred years. I'm going to go on in record and I'll say, yes, you heard it from me. Some of our ancestors punk out. Some of our ancestors did some of the stupidest things. Some of our ancestors made some of the dumbest decisions. Now, as we are, that's now. not to say. That's not to say. In their own mind, they may have thought they was doing. So we have to understand certain things and be frank. We have to learn to talk sharp with each other. I have never said that the churches need to be closed. But I do know that some churches, they should have closed yesterday. Actually, the church that asked me to leave closed its doors 
in 2011. Now, I want you to understand if you're going to follow theology that over and over again that theology is not designed to fix you. The Christ consciousness is designed to fix you. You have to change the way you see your world. And the way you see your world is you have to do what any rational person does. You have to look at your failures, your flaws, and your shortcomings as a human. Not by the fact that you are imperfect, everything, nothing, nothing is perfect, but yet it is. Perfect means simply the ability to complete a task. It never has to do anything without error. So perfection is to complete a task. Your journey is the state of perfection that you're looking for. Your journey as an individual is the state of perfection that you're looking for. In that quest of that state of perfection that you're looking for, that's what makes you a Christian. When you're looking for a state of perfection of elevating yourself, understanding that every new level you go to requires a new you. If every new level you go to requires a new you, you cannot continue to deal with the same book. So think about what it said. You can't continue to deal with the same book. The Bible wording is the same, but yet ministers have tried to go around it and teach differently. Think about the ministers in the 50s and 60s and 70s was all about civil rights. They were marching. Were they all? I don't think so. Uh, well, I mean, I ain't going to say all of them, but let me say some of them. They were most notable. Reverend Dr. King, Reverend Abernathy, Reverend this, Reverend that. They were on the forefront of civil rights. In the, in the yeah, late 70s and 80s, in the late 70s and 80s, they moved into politics. Jesse Jackson ran for president. The 90s came along in the age of prosperity and the mega churches were born. Hmm, but, okay. but my point is, that's the external growth that a theology can be used for an external growth. But internally, internally, there has not been any growth. And that's where Christ, if you look at his, at his life, he grew internally. We're so obsessed with the numbers, Christ. He, he did this with the multitudes. But you got to think about some of the things that he said, some of the things that Christ was about. When Christ said, when I return, I'll come back with a sword dripping in blood. I'll come back with an army. That don't sound like no punk redeemer. <laughs> That's, that kind of goes back to something that I, my father used to talk about. That um, if I looked at somebody's life, they change over time. And he said, one of the challenges with the canonized Bible is the portion that presents Yeshua is just a short period of time. And it really doesn't deal with some of the theological, philosophical, spiritual changes, except towards the end. And that's like so quick. And most people don't even highlight it. 
because the Yeshua that was flipping over tables is a little different than the one. Well, well see, and, and, and I guess that's the point that I was trying to make. The external, the external part of theology, you 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 quoted. Uh, yes, we're turning over tables. Uh, you know the, the the parts of the Bible that spoke of revolution, and you know God was a violent God. He said, "Go into the cities, take their women." You know, this is God talking. Right, 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 right. You know, and then colonizers have done when. When the when the when the Dr. Kings of the world came along and and, 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 and and God was at these were godly men, they brought something to the table and they would use certain quotes out of the Bible. Now, I'm saying that because whether you're talking about Malcolm X, whether you're talking about uh Elijah Muhammad, the Bible? you're talking about Bible. going back to Nat Turner, Denmark VC, uh when you start going into uh uh, uh Allen, I can't think of the name, uh James Allen, yeah, yeah, yeah. These, these were revolutionary people. Jesus was a revolutionary, brought a change. See, see, the thing is, is that he could not become, listen, he could not become who and what he was in revolution till he had to get to a certain age and mature. That's why you don't hear nothing about Jesus at 10, 12, 15, 7, is when he became 33, somewhere in the uh, post 28. To 33, he started he started being known. And see, and see the thing of it is that was a maturity. He started going within to start to start dealing with those things on the outside. The problem that most people have is not mm-hmm. understanding that in a sense they love to say Jesus died for me. No, Jesus died because he was messing with the government. Same way Malcolm, same way King, same way everybody else, same way Nat Turner was messing with the government of Virginia. You understand what I'm saying? See, it, it, when it, it, Turner, it, it, see, 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 the thing of it is, that's a what I'm what I'm trying to get to understand. Let me back up. When we say the theology can't, when the theology in the theology that you you hearing today, or the theology that, that they give you, can't save you. It can't fix anything. But the theology of the Christ consciousness. Nat Turner wasn't doing this. Nat Turner was operating under the Christ consciousness. Nat Turner was looking for a sign. He was supposed to uh, overcome the, uh, uh, they were trying to make it to uh, New Jerusalem at the time. It's another city in Virginia called now, but at the time it's called New Jerusalem. Nat was going to do this on 4th of July, Independence Day. But he got a sign from God not to do it. And then he got a sign from God to do it, which was at an eclipse. In August of 1831 is when he got the sign from God. And see, when he said, this is now time to move. See, that was a consciousness. Why do I say that depended upon an eclipse? You can't even get Christians to understand why Easter is on a different day every year because it occurs after the first full moon, after the first after the spring equinox, the first Sunday after the first full moon. That has nothing to do with a man coming back out of a cave. That has something to do with the sun coming out a certain part 
of the of the of the cosmos. The same way with Christmas. You say Jesus was born December 25th. You know, that's interesting to me since December didn't even exist at the time of Jesus. December <laughs> or Desi means 10. It's the 10th right. month. So you're saying he's born 1225. See, all this is what I'm saying. If you want to follow that theology, that can't fix nothing. Brother Seiko, that can't fix nothing. But if you get into a Christ consciousness, you can understand everything the book of Revelation is telling you about the revealing of the God inside of you. All right. I want you to stop right there. Whoo! Okay. Uh, on our part two with Bob, because doesn't it sound like this is a part two that has to happen? <laughs> on this part two, we're going to have to do how you can tap into that Christ consciousness and how that Christ consciousness has manifested in different locations, different places, spaces, and cultures. All right, so we'll have to do that. So let me try to wrap up because we normally try to go for an hour. We're a little over, but it was well worth it. Your message is, if the question is, will Jesus fix it? The answer is, based on the theology you've been presented, no. If you focus on the Christ consciousness and use that to empower you like a battery on your back, then yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, See, I hope I did your I hope I did your hour of justice. <laughs> Say that again. I'm sorry. I hope I did your hour of talking justice in that last ten seconds I just yeah, gave. Yeah, you, you know, and, 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 and my apologies for taking so long, but I want to explain the, the the onslaught of what's been going on in your mind throughout history because you are your ancestors, and this has been put in your head two thousand years. And, and you've heard it before, Brother Seiko. Christian said, well, you know, I ain't nothing. I ain't nothing in the eyes of the Lord. I ain't nothing. What, what do you mean you ain't nothing? I mean, wh- wh- where would talk like that come from? The Bible doesn't Why would God create nothing? You know, why would God create nothing? And, and, and then you got to understand purpose. Oh, I just live for Jesus. I don't, whatever they want me to do, I'm going to do it. But I just live for Jesus. Jesus got shot. And it's time that Christians wake up and learn how to think for themselves and act upon the consciousness that he gave you, it gave you, to operate. There's no secret you can go listen to what President Putin said, Kim Jong-un has said, until Africans practice their own or start thinking there will be no revelation, there will be no progress that they the, the progress that they deserve okay Baba I need to stop you alright with your permission okay, I'd I like to all in the name of love I'm saying this in the name of love this is again I'm glad you speak about because I'm not trying to be blasphemous I'm saying this in the name of love okay Ashe Ashe tell us about OIDSI as we close I'm sorry, I didn't get the last thing. I said, before we close, tell us a little bit about OIDSI. OIDSI is the Obafemi Institute for the Divine and Universal Study of Ifa. Ifa is uh, known historically as Fa, 
or uh, Faye, which comes uh, was born out of the Nile Valley in East Africa, comes over to the West in the diaspora. It goes up under many names in the other uh, under the umbrella of Ifa. It is the wisdom of nature. It is the natural order thing. This is what we teach. Uh, the principles, the cosmology, and most importantly, we help those individuals get in touch with themselves, their purpose, their journey, and try to invoke, try to uh, bring in the Christ consciousness to elevate themselves. Ashe. Wow. Okay. And as you can see, uh, fellow brothers and sisters and beloved, they have a really great YouTube channel. Uh, also, Baba does do some traveling, so get in contact with them and you know, people are saying, yeah, they need another hour. Sister says, yeah, we need two or three. They <laughs> <laughs> say, so you were just warming up. Uh, we're definitely going to have to bring you back on, Baba. That, that was intriguing and huh, eye-opening. Definitely eye-opening. Definitely eye-opening. So, the Christ consciousness in you can help you to fix and we need to start fixing these problems I, I really think that you know, for the next years what, go ahead. What, 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 happened, what happened to the brother down in Georgia you have to ask the question that I've always asked is it going to happen again yes it is that's yeah. unfortunate it's going to happen again and where is this God this Jesus you know sitting back what got a margarita watching this happen if that's the case that God saw us being put on ships. If it's the case, God has watched every young black male get shot down. If the most high have witnessed all this, clearly there's a reason. Even if we don't understand it, there's a reason. And the thing that we have to understand the most in all of this, something has to change within us. Because the same government that killed Jesus is the same government Today, it's on our money. It's still in Latin. That will conspire us. So, you know, I'm not here to put Jesus down. I just think the brother is the most understood character in history. Because he was trying to get people to develop a way of thinking. And all they ever did was to develop a way of better following someone who's quoting things out of a book that they really don't understand. You know, you know, we're going to have to delve in a lot deeper on that. I'm glad we got a chance to share some information on OIDSI. The empowerment agenda simply means that for the next 10 years, 2020 to 2030, and it's going to continue past that. <laughs> Brother said Jesus and a margarita. That's, <laughs> that sounds like a good Sunday night. Um, <laughs> uh, for the next 10 years, and it's going to continue past that. We need to make sure that our financial resources are used in a way that empower us. We need to make sure that our physical resources are used in a way that empower us. Our political resources are used in a way that empower us. Our spiritual resources are used in a way that empower us. And our attention is used in a way that empower us. So you're going to hear a lot about the empowerment agenda as we attack the political strategy but hey get that Christ consciousness and Baba's going to come back I'm sure Baba's going to come back and we're going to learn how we can tap into that Christ consciousness alright so uh, yes. any last parting words it's a process it's a journey but it can be tamed <laughs>
I do know quite a few brothers and sisters that obtain a consciousness. And when I say they're powerful, and when I say they can move things, it's just not literal. And it's 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 unfortunate we've been reduced to waiting on someone to descend out of the sky or to be reborn again to come and help us in this situation. And that's not going to happen. Okay. Well, with that, I want to say that you've been watching the Fly Guy Show. I'm Seiko Varner, Power Broker, where we deal with the empowerment agenda. And we have a series of melanated, conscious conversations to find ways that we can improve our collective situation. So, beloved, I hope that you have gotten something that will help you improve your situation and our situation. Your little Y, capital O, capital U, capital R, and our, capital everything, situation. Your situation and our situation. All right? Well, with that, I say stay fly, stay fly, and stay on code. Ashe, Ashe. Stay fly, 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 stay fly. The views expressed by the guests are only the views of the guests, unless we say we agree, unless explicitly stated. Stay fly, stay fly, stay fly, stay fly, stay fly. Stay conscious. Stay fly. Hey, hey.